Ohio. But many, many years later, six churches later, come on, say amen. Uh, God has blessed. And so initially, this was supposed to be 100th anniversary of Glenville. Uh, but Sister Donna, Donna Nelson said, you know what? It's bigger than that. This is really the 100th anniversary of the movement of black Adventism in Cleveland. Come on, say amen to that. How many know she's right about that thing? And so all of the churches are coming together. Oh, this is going to be beautiful. All of the churches are coming together, and we're going to be celebrating that day. Um, I, I was down in Huntsville for a funeral uh, was it last week, and uh, y'all know we got a whole bunch of Cleveland folk in Huntsville. I don't know if y'all know that. And they all at First Church. That's my home, my other church. My first church I pastored at was First Church. And they're all there. And a whole lot of them are coming up here for this celebration. Amen? So we look to have a, a, a very mighty, mighty, mighty time in God. Uh, somebody sent me something this morning, man. And just as we were in this theme of get your mind right, somebody shout get your mind right. As we're in this theme, get your mind right, man, I was blown away by this, this little thought that was sent to me that a shark, if you put it in a fish tank, I'm talking about at its inception, will only grow to be eight inches. But if you put it in the ocean, it will grow to be eight feet. <laughs> at its inception, if you put a shark in a fish tank, it will grow only to be eight inches. But if that shark is born in the ocean, it will grow to be eight feet. How many of you know some of y'all's environment is killing your growth? We talk about getting our minds right. One of the reasons why our minds are not right is because our environment's not right. And many of us cannot grow the way God wants us to grow because we've not put ourselves in the... Oh, y'all not. Y'all around the wrong people, wrong friends. Come on, say amen. Some of you create your own environment of negativity, carelessness, recklessness. But how many know the mind can get right if the mind is in the right atmosphere, if it's in the right environment? Some of y'all are eight inches where you should be eight feet. How many want to grow in God? I want to grow in God. It's an amazing thing. And, and we know this to be true. Uh, Shelly Hunt and those of you who are in this, this area, one of the reasons why we're talking about getting your mind right is not because, um, well, it is because we're trying to um, just remove the stigma, especially in our community. No shade to anybody else. Please forgive me. But the truth is, is black people are superstitious People of color in general are superstitious about mental health. And there's a stigma about it. And what we were trying to do is we're trying to remove that stigma so we can be healthy and experience the abundant life, not only in our bodies, but our minds and in our spirits. And the truth of the matter is, as we've been just kind of laying this thing out over and over and over again, that we really can't grow unless our minds are right. And really the environment by which we live in is we really live in the environment of our thoughts. And many of us ain't eight inches, are eight inches when we could be eight feet because of the environment of our thoughts. But the truth is, is neuroplasticity. Somebody shout that word, neuroplasticity. It's real, y'all. It's not just spiritual. We are spiritual beings, but we're also physical beings. And that our brains are actually rewired according to our thinking and our behavior. Small people think small. And even trauma, which we've learned, trauma and repeated stress, which we talk about today, 
actually rewires our brain to be predisposed to various diseases and ways of thinking and ways of behaving. So when we're talking about this stuff and we're talking about counseling, we're talking about therapy, we're talking about getting help, we're talking about something that is very tangible and real. This is not some nebulous, just abstract thing. Your brain functions better when you focus on improving your life from the inside out. And I told you already, just like, um, you know, as, as I shared on Facebook. By the way, let me just say, um, Saints, I'm okay. I know some of y'all on Facebook this week and some of y'all concerned about the pastor. Well, you should be concerned about the pastor. I throw that out there. You should be concerned because um, he's a human being too. But, man, this, 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 this preacher who committed suicide, this stuff is happening too often. Starting to happen too often. We had a Seventh-day Adventist preacher who committed suicide just last year. And um, we already know that the suicide rates are going up just about everywhere. The fastest killer in Cleveland public school system of our young people is suicide. Not gun, not gun violence or homicide, but it's suicide. And so many people were, were, were concerned about this. And I'll tell you, I'm realizing the importance when I see things like that. And by the way, this preacher that committed suicide had just done a funeral that day for somebody who had committed suicide. He was an advocate for mental health. He was an advocate for mental health, and he had just posted on a social media account um, the day before uh, words of encouragement, how people need to pay attention to their mental health. And I think, I don't know what it's going to take for many of us, but that kind of got my attention. Again, this is the third pastor in the past two years, at least of note, of notoriety, uh, that has has committed suicide. And I think we see the extreme. We say, I ain't suicidal. But many of us are committing a slow suicide. It's a slow one. It's a slow one. It's not doesn't seem intentional. But many of us, if we don't change our environment, y'all don't want to pray with me today. Change the way we, we operate. And I will tell you this, and, and you'll be hearing more about this in the days to come. Uh, I, got, I, I got a little wake-up call. I need to adjust the way... And I manage my life, especially as a Seventh-day Adventist. We, we teach and believe Sabbath. Many of us are not mentally healthy. We stock ourselves with Worthington Foods, and we're pro-plant-based diet, but yet many of us are stressed out to the hilt. And I want to talk about that today. Father in heaven, bless the word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. The title of our message today is Stop. I want to encourage you to do a couple things, mainly because I just don't want to preach at you. I want to help you, not only in the sermonic moment, but also in your life. I encourage you to get this book right here. It was used before. Linda Bozeman used it in a small group. It's called Creation Health Discovery. It's by Des Cummings uh, Jr. and Monica Reed. You need to read this book, Creation Health Discovery, if you are really serious about being healthy, mind, body, and spirit. You're really serious about it. Yeah, let me, by the way, let me just say this. You know what's prompting this message today? Not the creation health, because this was written by Adventists. What's prompting this message today is this one that's written by non-Adventists. It's called The Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And in this book, the brother makes the argument for the Sabbath. And it amazes me how the stuff that uh, God gave to us as distinct and significant, the world is getting a hold of it. Y'all didn't hear what I just said. People are getting a hold of what's in the Word. And they're not doing it for legalistic reasons. They're doing it because they need it. 
There's a lifestyle that God has laid out in his word. And that lifestyle saves lives, keeps you sane. <laughs> so we need God's help. How many believe that? How many, need, how many want? Now, today's message is going to be a tough one because it's, more, it's, it's as pragmatic as it possibly can be. So like many of us do well in the ethereal ideas and concepts. Like it's easy to say amen to that stuff. Today's message, you got two options with today's message. Literally, do something with your lifestyle or do nothing. That's it. This, this is not one of those where you could just agree with it. Ah, that's nice. That sounds good. This is a message today that I really want to encourage our congregation. And honestly, just, just preaching. And I was like, man, we need to re- reevaluate a whole lot of stuff that we are doing. But that's for another time. All right. Uh, <laughs> y'all know they had this little battle and uh, some of y'all, uh, some of y'all were, were blessed enough to uh, participate in it. Some of you stood in lines and uh, blocked traffic <laughs> for this uh, Popeyes <laughs> Popeyes chicken sandwich. I heard somebody say, "Black folks stand in line for a chicken sandwich and won't stand in line to vote." Y'all went out and bought so many of them chicken sandwiches. I was traveling the other day with a buddy of mine who wanted the, wanted the chicken sandwich. We saw Popeyes. Of course, I'm on some 60-day uh, cleanse, so I, praise the Lord, I, I wasn't interested. But uh, they got big signs because of y'all. Because of y'all. There's big signs on Popeyes now saying, we be right back. <laughs> they took the sandwich off the menu. And y'all know there was this big uh, social media war going on between Popeyes and Chick-fil-A. Come on, say amen. <laughs> then Kentucky Fried Chicken got in it too because now Kentucky Fried Chicken opened up a uh, green Kentucky Fried Chicken in Atlanta that serves um, 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 vegan uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken. But anyway... I think it's strange. I just wanted to point out about this. I'm just going to tell you all right now. I don't know what sandwich is better. I'll tell you this. Uh, Chick-fil-A won this. Yeah, let me tell you why Chick-fil-A won. Because you can go to Chick-fil-A today or tomorrow or the day after tomorrow. Well, you don't want to go today, right? But, but you can go and it's, it's going to be some sandwiches there. So it don't matter how good Popeye's sandwich is, Popeye's was not ready. Y'all not hearing me. Popeye's was not ready for the demand. They had a little bit of supply, but they weren't ready for the demand that happened. And so they ran out of sandwiches. And guess what? All the while, Chick-fil-A just sitting over there chilling. They ain't tweeting nothing. They ain't posting nothing. And they still serving sandwiches. Come on, say amen. And and Chick-fil-A's line is always long, y'all. It's not just long at a new promotion. It's long right now. I'm not even there, but I know it's long. Come on, say amen. And it's not just long for the chicken eaters. Some of y'all go there for the waffle fries, Pastor Regina Johnson. Or for the soft ice, Pastor Regina Johnson. Or for that lemonade, Pastor Regina Johnson. Huh? 
And so what we see, honestly, what we see really is the difference between these two businesses is not just the product that they're making, but the values, the values behind, y'all not hearing me, the values behind their business. And so at the end of the day, the reason why they sell these sandwiches is not because they're trying to win a battle as what tastes better. The reason why they want it to taste good is because they want you to buy it. This is about business. Somebody say it's about business. But Chick-fil-A clearly wins because Chick-fil-A is still in business. And I drove past that Popeye's on my way here. It ain't packed like it was. Huh? Ain't no, ain't no chicken sandwich there, right? And so one of the interesting things I recognize about Chick-fil-A, and most of you know this already, if you know anything about what is said about Chick-fil-A, Chick-fil-A, regardless of their politics, which they have kind of backed off that now, I don't know if y'all noticed that, there was rumor that their politics was more right of center, but as of late, they have made statements saying, hey, listen, we're just a business, and, you know, they even pulling back on that because they're in this thing for business. But, but good businesses operate on values and they operate on principles, and let's just be honest, I know some of y'all going to act like you don't go to Chick-fil-A, but for those of y'all who go to Chick-fil-A, the same reason why Pastor Regina goes, just for the waffle fries and not for the chicken, and for the salt ice or for whatever else they have, for the salads they have with no chicken on it, whatever. For whatever reason that you go there, right? Uh, one of the things we know about them is they have great customer service. Come on, say amen. They ain't running out of food. The place is always clean. My wife and I were kind of joking about this the other day. We were like, we know it's fast food. But for whatever reason, when you eat Chick-fil-A, you don't feel like you feel when you've eaten at McDonald's. Isn't that strange? It's almost like when you eat McDonald's or something, you, do, you just feel sluggish. You feel like you know you've eaten something. you got no business eating. But it's like when you leave Chick-fil-A, it's still fried food. It's still fast food. But you just feel like you did the right thing. Yeah, it's just the environment. It's the principles. There's so much that they put into it that's beyond the chicken that they serve. And, and one of the principles that I wanted to point out that really makes Chick-fil-A stand out and why they really beat Popeye's is because Popeye's is open seven days a week. And they still can't outsell them. McDonald's is open seven days a week, 24-7, and they're still not number one. Subway is open seven days a week. They're still not number one. You know Chick-fil-A takes one day. They're only open six days, and people have bugged them to death. Y'all need to open up. Y'all are missing out on this market. They're not budging. They have a value that says, we are going to work six days and we're going to take off one day. Now, we know it's the first day of the week, but let's just roll with the principle right now. The principle is, is we can accomplish more with less than we can with overtaxing ourselves. And so, really, one of the best places to work, seriously, is at Chick-fil-A. Higher rates of satisfaction from customers, higher rates of satisfaction from the people who actually work there. You know you're not going to be on Sunday shift. And, and it's amazing because Sunday's a big day for people to go out and eat out. They don't care. They don't care. Y'all better hear me. They don't care if you want chicken on Sunday. They ain't serving it. Your values will not affect their values. What you think about what they ought to do, Terrence, doesn't matter. It's inconsequential. We're not opening on Sunday. And how many know they probably they would kill the game on Sunday if they were open on Sunday? They don't care. It's not about money. It's about values. It's about convictions. 
There's another business. All the media people, uh, um, like Brandy, you, you know this. Anybody who works in the media, there's another business called B&H. If you order real gear, am I telling you, Brandy, if you order real gear, you order that gear from B&H. That's where most, uh, B&H where you get your cameras and your real gear. When we buy our new church, where they're ordering that gear from is from B&H. B&H is one of the largest, second to Amazon, it is the largest technological uh, um, um, equipment uh, um, uh, business in the world. And it's located in New York. But it's owned by Hasidic Jews. And if you go to their website, which I tried last night, go to the next slide. If you go to their website, right, and you try to buy something from Sunset Friday to Sunset Saturday, guess what? They'll say, come back later. It says, the New York store is closed. Online checkout is available. That was yesterday, right? So I went on there after the sunset, and it says, you can wait. It says, put your stuff in a cart. Put your stuff in a cart, and it says, at, at sun, at, when the sun sets on Saturday evening, you can purchase whatever you want. Because their business is based on a value. It's not based on your value. Doesn't care what the world is saying. Doesn't care what Amazon is doing. Amazon's number one. We don't care. We know what we're doing. We sell technological products, and we're not going to let your values impose on us. We are Sabbath keepers. We're taking off. They're number two in the world because they have standards, because they have values, because they have convictions about things that matter. It's not about money. It's not about business. It's not about getting ahead. It's about a value. Y'all listen to me. And so what we're finding now on the next slide is that it's not really about 24-7 productivity. People are recognizing in the business world, people are recognizing, athletes, et cetera, recognizing that you're more productive 24-6 than 24-7. That's what people are recognizing. Because, I mean, I don't, and I've preached this a thousand times, uh, as long as you've been in this church. We talk about circadian rhythms. We talked about circumspectum rhythms. We know that our whole world is designed around seven-day rhythms. Our whole universe, the laws of our universe, are based around circadian rhythms. We know that research has been done that people who keep Sabbath live longer, actually 10 years longer than the average person. We know this stuff. We've heard this before. You've heard it from this pulpit. You've watched CNN enough. Sanjay Gupta has a whole documentary on stress, and he talks about it. We heard Oprah talk about the blue zones. Come on, somebody. We know all this stuff, the China study. All this stuff is telling us what we've already known, and that's that the Sabbath, taking a time of rest, taking a time to decompress, taking a time to pause, taking a time to stop, actually increases productivity. Back in the early days of the American uh, uh, expansion, Louisiana Purchase and et cetera. Many people were, were, were going west. They were trying to go to get gold. And they would, they would travel in these caravans. And when they would travel in these caravans, uh, they recognized that, that sometimes storms would come, weathers, uh, weather would get rough, you know, going through the different climates, going across the west. I've, I've, I've driven it before, and I'll tell you, this country changes. Like, I mean, the seasons change as you go. Go through Colorado, Wyoming, and all that kind of stuff. It's, just, it's amazing, right? So one of the things they found is that people began to get impatient because they were all keeping Sabbath. So they were taking a seventh day to rest, and there are many people who are feeling like with the weather the way it is, with, uh, with, the, with the environment the way it is, we need to hurry up and get a beat on this. Let's stop resting on Sabbath, and let's start. And by the way, all that information is in this book, The Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, that was written by Nana Venice. All right, so uh, uh, they were like, look, uh, look, no, no, we can't keep taking Sabbath off. So they said, let's get ahead of the Sabbath keepers so that we can hurry up and get to the West. Who do you think got there first? Sabbath keepers did. Because you can produce more <laughs> when you actually pause to get rest. 
Are you hearing me now? You cannot, you never get ahead by trying to accomplish more. You always get ahead by pausing to be rejuvenated so you can accomplish more. It's the way we're designed. It's the way God set it up. All right, so um, uh, uh, when you get a chance, Google the APA stress study. The APA stress study. I'm trying to, I'm trying to give y'all information these days. Like, I don't know if anybody noticed this. I'm not just trying to preach at y'all. We see somebody writing some stuff down. Like, ah, all right, yes. Take a screenshot of it. I mean, study this stuff. Take it. Do it in your family worship when you have that. So we have a stressed out society. What kind of society do we have, everybody? But what they're finding out, here, guys, stress is not the problem but chronic stress. As a matter of fact, stress is actually a good thing. Stress is a good thing. So just for clarity, we're not out here saying all stress is bad. If you didn't have stress, you wouldn't get nothing done. You hear me now? If you didn't have stress, you wouldn't be motivated to change. A prime example of this is, uh, you know, so, so let, me, let me say it like this. So stress is good. Stressing is not good. And many of us are stressing, watch this, we're stressing about our stresses. And I'm, I'm going to prove it in a minute, all right? So c- case in point, when you, when you exercise, and Aaron was sharing this with me the other day, there's a bunch of different, uh, you know, theories out there about how to build muscle. One thing is for sure. If, if, if you lift weights, right, all right, go ahead, put that. If you lift weights, right, this guy kind of looks like me a little bit. Is that me? Looks like me. Looks like me. Babe, did you, babe, did you get in my presentation, put a picture of me in there? That boy looked like me. Oh. It's, a, it's a shade darker. That's it. Got, look, got hair on his head, too. Huh? That was back in the day. Amen. Sorry. What is he doing, y'all? Now, do you work out with no weight? What's the best way to build muscle? Yeah, it's putting stress. It's putting stress on your muscles. It's resistance, right? So you need stress, right? But, but if I do this every single day, is this going to help to build muscle? No. What you actually need is something called recovery time. And recovery time is actually the time when the muscles actually begin to expand, get stronger, bone density gets better. Happens where? It happens in recovery. So you need stress, but you also need recovery. Everybody shout recovery. Now, I want you to look at your neighbor right now and ask them, what kind of recovery are you doing in your life? What are recovery looking like? Now, there's more recovery than just sleep, y'all. I just want y'all to know this. Yeah, all right. Go to the next slide for me. So in the, uh, especially in Canada, the Midwest, you know, they have these blizzards. And I've actually heard this from a pastor friend of mine who pastored in Alaska. He said in Alaska, sometimes you'll look and you'll find uh, at the end of the winter seasons and, you know, the change of, of, you know, when it's like dark for six months and real, real cold and all that kind of stuff. He says you'll actually find dead bodies when the snow is, but you just find dead bodies. Happens every year. Because what happens is those blizzards and the cold gets so bad that if you're not careful, if you're not careful, you can get lost and you can die of, uh, of, 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 of hypo, was it hypothermia. Yeah, stuff like that, right? So, so what they found is that in the Midwest, especially in Canada, one of the things that farmers would do, especially back in the day, is that when they would go out into the barn, they would tie a rope to themselves and they would tie a rope to the house. All right, so I got to find me a house to... 
Now, y'all know I can't be still. I'm going to tie this to something. So the idea is don't go outside, don't go outside in a blizzard unless you have tied a rope to your house so that when you go out in the blizzard, where you could barely see, you would find your way back. They'd say, man, the blizzard would be so bad in some parts of Canada that you could put your hand out in front of you and cannot see it. And so a lot of times what would happen is, is people would lose, they would lose grip of the rope. They wouldn't tie it to their bodies. They'd get careless. They'd lay it down trying to do something. And inevitably what would happen is they would find dead bodies. They'd find dead bodies at home. Some of them right near the threshold of the house. But because they were detached, because they were detached, I want to stay connected. Come on, say amen. Stay connected. I need this because y'all know I move around a lot. But honestly, this is really more than symbolic. This is my life kind of, I mean, my life basically has no rope on it. I'm doing the most, like many of you. And what happens is, is because we have no connection, we have no guide back to the source and back to the thing that matters, we find ourselves wandering, lost, don't know what's up, don't know what's down. We've lost our focus. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. We just lost our focus. And really, these are the things that actually contribute to our stress issues. Our stress issues are based upon the fact that many of us have lost a connection to a source. And other things have begun to get more importance than being connected to the source. And I'm going to show you that. Watch what it says here in the book. Same book. Y'all got to get this book, The Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Powerful book. Listen to this quote here. It says, many of us are overscheduled, tense, addicted to hurry, frantic, preoccupied. Some of y'all right now cannot pay attention to a one-hour sermon. Two-hour sermon, three-hour sermon. But guess what? You can scroll on your phone for hours on end. Many of us are fatigued and starved for time. But look at what he says. He says, but we can't stop. And if we aren't busy, we feel guilty that we waste time and are not productive. I don't know if anybody feels like that. Like sometimes... Man, I feel so overwhelmed and so stressed by life that my body is saying, take it easy, rest, take a nap. But in my head, my head is saying, there's work to do. Does anybody ever feel guilty for being still? There are many of us in here who are actually totally 100% uncomfortable with any solitude. With any stillness, we absolutely positively do not know how to be still. Can't do it. I'm talking about me right now. 
just, I mean, my mind is constantly moving. And, and I'm just talking about pastors now. People wonder, you know, listen, you got two kinds of pastors. You got pastors that are workaholics and you got pastors that don't do nothing. I don't know any of them that are in between. Many of us do not know how to balance at all. We preach Sabbath, but we don't. We have no knowledge. And some of you can relate to this. And the stress of this job is pretty much similar to the stress of a social worker and anybody else. You're constantly carrying people's problems. You're car- and listen, well, I'm not talking about regular. I'm talking about people's soul salvation. Religion, I'm not trying to, like, you know, make me, like, special. I'm just telling you what it's like in my world. Like, I, go to, I try to go to sleep at night, and the thing on my mind is thinking about people's eternal salvation. Some, some baby, some, some, some child who committed suicide. Some person in the church whose parent is terminally ill. And so for me, it's not always like physical labor. I'm not picking up anything and putting it down. But what I cannot do is I don't know how to shut my mind off. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you do not know how to leave work at, at work. Let's just be honest. We don't know. We don't know how to keep the Sabbath. Like we think Sabbath is some like we like this is Sabbath. Sabbath is so much bigger than like this. It is a state of mind. And so many of us right now, many of us right now on God's Sabbath do not know. We have never kept the Sabbath. We have never rested. We don't know how to pause. And our world is getting faster and faster paced by the day. And it's driving many of us crazy. Driving our families crazy. The way that our world is set up is unsustainable. And I want to say this right now. Reject. Reject. Reject the culture in this world. Reject it. Reject the desire that you can't take any days off and that you got to keep going and going and going and you got to make paper and you got to make paper and you got to do this and you got to do that. I got a friend of mine who's a motivational speaker. Like, I had to turn him off. He's my boy. But, like, where I am, like, that, like, he's for real lazy people. But for those of us who don't know how to shut it off, like, Sometimes you have to quiet those voices that say, grind, 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 take no days off, keep it moving, keep it moving, keep it moving. Because many of you are driving yourself crazy, you're driving your family crazy, your marriage is falling apart, and all of it is because you have, you have bought into the culture of this world that doesn't know how to stop. There's no rope connected to any source, and you're just out there. You don't know how to get back where you belong. APA study on stress, 2017, download it. It's for you. APA is the, uh, what is it? American uh, Psychology Association. I was about to say Association of Psychology of America. Anyway, um, so check out the stress study, 2017, if you're interested. Listen to this. They say 47% of us can't sleep. And it's not for lack of time. It's just that you can't shut your brain off. Got no rope connected to anything. Uh, uh, the other, they say that 47% of us who respond to this say that we are currently angry right now. We have a low level of anger and resentment just pulsing through our veins right now. Y'all know this is true. Oh, come on, somebody. You know this is true. Have you ever driven a car? Like in this city? 
People are angry. People are angry at the grocery store. People are flipping off for no reason. At Popeye's, somebody climbed through a window, I heard. 45% of us are always tired. Always. It's not whether I'm tired or not tired. It's just whether how tired I am. And I'm not talking about physical. I, get, I sleep, but I'm talking about just like stress. You're always wound up. I remember the first time um, I actually, we did a real vacation, right? Like an actual vacation like from, from years ago. And, and, and they did this hydrotherapy thing on me. I think I told you guys about that, right? And then I, as soon as the hydrotherapy, hydrotherapy is amazing. Like they put you in real cold water, like real cold water. Like they throw you in real cold water. They put you in real hot water. They put you in, it's amazing, right? I mean, it sounds crazy, but it's amazing. But it does something to like your body, like forces you to relax. Does something to like the heart rate and stuff. It's crazy. Like it's just manipulation. And you're just like, oh my goodness. I laid down. My wife will tell you. I laid down and, and just to get a breather after that. And ended up finding myself awake after about three and a half hours. And I was like, man, this wasn't from travel. This was from just accumulation of stress and going and going and going and going. 45% of us lack energy and motivation. of us are depressed. 33% of us have headaches. Brothers and sisters, y'all know most of the the research now is saying headaches, these migraines and stuff like that. Yeah, there's some physical connection, but a lot of it is based on stress. That's why I encourage you to go see a counselor so you can find out what's bothering you. Because a lot of times, how many know what I'm talking about? How many know a lot of times you don't really know what's bothering you? And so what counseling does is helps you see what's bothering you. I remember the first time I went in to see a counselor last year. When I went into this office, I just started, you know, it was just a simple type, kind of what you see on TV. He's sitting there, and I'm just, I just start talking. And then I just can't stop crying. I'm not really saying anything deep. You know, it's just like. Man, it's something about, <laughs> it's just something about talk, like, because many of us don't ever have those kinds of conversations. And so we keep going and suppressing and going and repressing and going and oppressing. And, and then finally, you get a moment to have that expression of catharsis, and you just feel refreshed. You feel like you've taken a bath. 45% of us have excess worry. By the way, I'm sorry, you know what this stat is for? This stat is for teenagers. of teenagers have nonstop worry. Come on now. I didn't have a care in the world when I was a child. None. Well, that was my upbringing, but there's some people, they didn't have that story. I heard a story yesterday about, I mean, this domestic violence stuff that's happening in front of children. And their stress response stays on all the time. Like God gave us a stress response for a reason. You know what happens like when you get afraid. Every, you don't, you're not hungry anymore. You know why? Because the body is saying, protect yourself. A lion is coming. You don't got no time to eat. You don't got no time to sleep. We need adrenaline. We need, come on somebody, we need cortisol. We need all this stuff so you can think clearly to be able to get out of this situation. But there are many people who stay in that all the time because of trauma. Can't shut it off. Can't shut it off. We're disconnected. Totally disconnected. Generation Z. Lord have mercy. These are kids born between 1995 and 2015. 
based on the surveys, are saying they are more stressed out than anybody else on the planet. And again, you think, oh, the kids, what are they stressed out about? Have you seen the homes that people are raised in now? And by the way, you're out there running like a chicken with your head cut off. They don't never see you. They never have real conversations with you. They're scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and scrolling all day long. Brains are overstimulated. I was so glad my son went to Pine Forge. You know why? Because he couldn't take PlayStation. They take their phones. Yeah, they, I mean, the principal, great guy. I love him. The kids don't like him, though, because the first thing he did on day one, you cannot have your phone but for a few hours a day. Hallelujah. When the kids are texting us saying they love us. <laughs> Seriously. Look at, look at what God has done. It's a miracle. <laughs> the research is saying that stress is the basic cause. Listen, y'all. Stress is the basic cause of 60% of illnesses. That's what they're discovering now. Are y'all hearing this? And y'all Sabbath keepers ain't no different. Because ain't none of us keeping the Sabbath. We go to church for a few hours. Maybe. Now, this blew my mind. Sanjay Gupta, in his, um, in his uh, documentary on stress in America, said that the studies are now showing that the life expectancy that we boasted about in the United States is actually decreasing because of stress. Out of all of the developed nations, the United States is now trending downward as having the lowest life expectancy. If you want to die early, live in the United States. U.S. population, 4% of the population in the world, United States is, right? 4%. But guess what? It takes 90% of oxycotton and hydrocodone. 90% of those drugs are used in the United States of America. The majority of the cases by which people apply for disability in the United States of America is for mental disability. Now, we can continue to go with this culture. Or we can follow the word of God. But many of us have bought hook, line, and sinker to the culture, and it's killing us. Can I get a witness in here? Anybody feel it, though? Listen, I mean, listen, this is not one of those I'm trying to come at you. You keep the Sabbath holy. Listen, I'm talking about does anybody like really ready to pull your hair out like this is too much? We were created for this frenzy. Skip to the next slide. Death of despair. Y'all now, now, now in Sanjay's uh, documentary, you know what he's saying now? Talking about these deaths of despair. Interviewed this mortician. He said he did like uh, 750 uh, examinations a year, dead bodies. He said a great majority of them, hear this, y'all, died of suicide, cirrhosis of the liver. Drug overdoses. But these are individuals whose skin color is a little different than ours. Listen to me. Listen to me. His whole, his whole documentary was about how white people 
this is now, are starting to trend downward and meet the same statistics as black people. Remember, we had low uh, life expectancy rates. Currently, right now, the people that live the longest in the United States are Latinos. And I will tell you something. Blacks are trending up, getting closer to that. Whites are trending down. You know what's happening? We're meeting at the middle because we have bought in. We bought into this upwardly mobile culture where our kids got to be in everything. We soccer moms and stuff. Now, that's, that's the cool thing nowadays. There's a bunch of research being done about kids in sports and showing that we're putting kids in sports too early. And that's why you're seeing some of the injuries that you're seeing in pro sports, because these kids have bodies that are like 50 years old. Got kids playing AAU at, at, at four and five years old. And, and, and guess what? They're, they're playing this and they're repeating the same. They're repeating the same activities, same behavior over and over again, putting stress on their bodies because we're now trying to keep up with them. There's a culture that's being set, and it's a culture that is anti the word of God. It's anti having homes and lives where we have peace, we have, where, where we have stability, where we have order. And right now, many of us have no order. We're chasing this event, going to that event, going from here to there and there. We're glorified Uber drivers for our children. We're trying to get ahead, get ahead, get ahead, get ahead, get ahead, get big, get big, get big, get big, get big. And, and I'm not taking anything away from that. Uh, there's nothing, I, last thing I like is a lazy person. But we have bought into the culture. And our families and our lives are experiencing the damaging results of it. And many of you have absolutely no peace. Can I, can I go on, y'all? So here are the stress diseases. Here are the stress diseases. And I want you to, and by the way, black men, go see a doctor. Some, well, all black, all, everybody in here, go see a doctor. Get an annual exam and things of this nature. What are you afraid of? Stress diseases, asthma, stress. Every time I turn around, somebody got asthma, whole family got asthma, asthma, asthma. Brothers and sisters, it is 100%. Listen, the, the accuracy on this stuff will blow your mind. Most of this stuff is connected to family trauma and to stress. Y'all hearing me? Asthma. We ain't talking about people smoking around you. We're talking about our bodies are responding to stress. Obesity. Y'all see it. Diabetes. It's more than cookies and sweet potato pies. It's stress. I'm talking, listen, Headaches. Depression and anxiety. Keep moving, keep moving. These are stress diseases. Go to the next slide. Gastrointestinal stuff. Acid reflux. Irritable bowel, irritable bowel syndrome. They're saying all of this stuff, you can directly connect it to stress. Alzheimer's. This is the new one. A lot of the research is starting to show now. Family trauma. Chronic stress. Increases chances for Alzheimer's. Accelerated aging. Just look at any president of the United States. Except this one. This guy, he don't seem to be stressed. He ain't stressed at all. I don't know what it. <laughs> he said he made a deal with the devil. <laughs> You're not right for that. You're not right. Listen. Listen, I don't know what it is. 
Y'all remember Obama came in? Obama was like, you know, he had that walk. Hair was black. <laughs> Boy, after them eight years, man, Obama wasn't moving like that no more. Hair was white. Now, they have the best physicians, the best everything, the best, the best, the best. They have people that take care of them 24-7. You've never even heard of a president, like, falling ill in your lifetime. They have the best. But why do they get old so, especially Bill Clinton? He got a lot of stress on him. Yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Oh, precious Hillary, too? Huh? They came in looking like, like young adults. But time, but see, that's what stress does, accelerates aging. We got to move. Uh, a premature death. Check this out. Stress conditions. Here's stress conditions. Not necessarily diseases, but conditions. Common cold. Y'all know that? The more, I'm, listen, y'all, I'm trying to stay connected here. Because we have a tendency to lose our way. Listen, do you know that the common cold is connected to stress? Because the more stressed you are, the weaker your immune system is. Huh? Weight gain. Weight gain. You know, somebody was talking the other day. Somebody was talking the other day about uh, why uh, people of color are not good with money. And, and, the, and I heard a great, a great take on this. It says it's not we're just not good with money. It's just that when you, you know why we spend we spend to ignore pain. That's what it is. I mean, I mean, we know we don't got it. But, man, when you'd have been living, like, when you'd have been living in, in the projects and you got all this stuff, man, I'm going to get me some Jordans, man. I'm going to get me a big flat screen TV that's bigger than my apartment. The man has had his foot on my neck all week. And they said, many of us, we spin because we're just looking for one moment of pleasure. Slower healing, sleep dysfunction, back, neck, and shoulder pain. Now, you know what's making all this worse. Here I come. See, the thing is, is we've not been around long enough for a whole lot of data to be out about social media, but it's starting to come out now, y'all. It's starting to come out now, and what they're starting to say about social media is not so good. I'm almost at a place right now. Let me tell you why I'm almost at a place. I'm almost at a place right now. Let's be honest with you. And some of y'all going to take this the wrong way, but it's okay. If I'm on social media, if it ain't ministry or making me money, y'all think I'm playing. I think I'm playing. That's unspiritual to some of y'all. This seriously, if it ain't, we did a Facebook Live the other day about mental health. If I ain't doing that, or if it ain't making me money, I ain't about to be sitting up there scrolling. You hear me in the show? I'm not, we're wasting time just looking at people's lives. And the people's lives I'm looking at getting paid off your viewership. Now, I know y'all don't like that, but I'm just going to tell it like, anybody like money in here? It's okay. Anybody? Oh, yeah, I don't know. Come on in here. Anybody like have a little change in your pocket? You know, you can use social media to make money. But most of us use social media to make other people money because we're addicted to just scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. And all day long, we're making somebody else money. That's where I am now. If it ain't ministry or money making, I ain't about to be on there just looking at your life. 
Social media has been linked to higher levels of loneliness now. They're saying the loneliest people are not the people who are not on social media, but the loneliest people are the people who are, what a paradox, who are on social media. Most people who are on social media, according to the research, are lonely. And y'all know why. Because on social media, it encourages the following, envy, uh -huh, anxiety, depression, narcissism, decreased social skills. That's why we're getting I love you text now. Social skills are increasing. There's no need to be on here. We can talk to human beings. You ever been to a restaurant and seen a family, folks sitting there, and everybody's on the device? Like, listen, there are people that are not even religious, and they say we have rules. When you come in the house at this hour, phones off. And many of us are too afraid. I don't want to be like my parents were. I don't want to have all these rules. But the reason you ain't crazy today is because you had some structure. My wife and I talk about this all the time. When we were raising these babies, man, we, listen, we made them sleep when we told them to go to sleep. That baby ain't running my life. The baby, I'm serious. Many of our lives are run by families and other people. And it's just, it's just, honestly, it's just madness. We're just going from one chaotic situation, work, to another chaotic situation, home. Inequality, social isolation, and comparison stress. This is what social media does. Come on and talk to me. Y'all don't have to talk to me. Y'all know social media makes you depressed because you look at somebody else whose life looks like it's doing good. Don't nobody post anything on there about what's going wrong with their lives. And the ones that do, we think something's wrong with them. But people always talk about how they're living their best life and they're making a come up and, and they're doing this and they're doing that. And you're watching it. And no, you're not that spiritual enough to look and not be envious and not be jealous. Oh, they don't want to pray. They don't want, nobody wants to be honest in here. We're all susceptible to that. I'm telling you, you can watch, you on there scrolling and looking at what this, and this one lost weight, and you still low overweight, and you say, what's wrong with me? How come I can't lose those pounds? And, and this one buys a house, and, and you still living, paying rent, and you're like, I can, uh, when my, when's my change going to come? I tell you, it's not you. It's that you looking at other people. That's the whole point of social media. Look at other people. Look at other people. Look at other people. And most of the people you're looking at is lying. And then you see one day, oh, man, I wonder why they're not talking about their wife no more. The couple that you was jealous of because their marriage looks so happy, all of a sudden you don't see no pictures of them together no more. It's just her. All of a sudden, like, uh, uh, conspicuously, he's not in the photos anymore because you was believing a lie the whole time. Ain't nobody posting no pictures of their child getting kicked out of school. They're going to post them graduating, going to Harvard, doing all this stuff. And you looking around at Jay Sean, and Jay Sean ain't done nothing, and, and Ricky ain't done nothing. And, 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 and come on, somebody. Shaquisha, she's still living at home with you. And you're looking at her, I'm not a good parent. I'm not a good parent. I am out the field as a parent. Look at it. I mean, I'm telling anybody, no, I'm telling the truth. You be on social media too long, and then you start feeling like your good life ain't a good life no more. In an article on psychology today, y'all can get the whole truth today. Come on, say amen. In an article, this will be a two-hour sermon. 
dare me not to preach at all. Yeah, you got to go, Aaron? Well, get on, get, get on and get on. You don't got to go home, but you can get on up out of here. Get the stepping. <laughs> hey, can I preach it like I want to? Can I preach it like I want to? It ain't going to be two hours, but I'm going to finish when I'm finished. I want to help somebody today. Come on, say amen. It's the Sabbath. You, where are you going to work? We can have question and answer period for all I care. Lord have mercy, Jesus. Huh? Psychology Today did an article, listen, and, and it talks about how we're addicted to social media. Now listen to this insight here. It says social media use for a minority of individuals is associated with a number of psychological problems, including anxiety. Pastor, I'm always dealing with panic attacks. What might help is if you reduce the amount of time you spend on social media. Hmm? Loneliness, attention deficit, hyperactivity disorder, and now addiction. Listen, because social media is most frequently accessed via smartphones, their usage is intimately intertwined, and their mobile nature contributes to excessive checking habits. Anybody with me on this? I know I'm guilty. Like, I mean, without thinking about it, I'm, I'm checking. I don't know how many times I check a day. It's hundreds. Man, when MySpace was just on a computer, you went on MySpace when you had a chance to sit down on go on MySpace. Y'all don't even know what's MySpace here. Uh, come on, where Black Planet people at out there? Come on, somebody. You would, you would go on there for a moment, but you couldn't carry it with you. Now these things are following us. We get notifications in church. Huh? Which often, next slide, which often derives, uh, guess what? New, new condition alert. Watch this. Which often derives from what is commonly called as the fear of missing out. It's a condition. FOMO. This. This, is, this is psychology today. According, you got that FOMO, right? According to an article by researchers at Harvard University, platforms like Facebook, Snapchat, and Instagram leverage the very same neurocircuitry used by slot machines and cocaine to keep us using their products as much as possible. We need to stop. We're overstimulated, overwhelmed, jealous, envious, stressed, anxious. Ah, we just go from, and then we can't shut it off. And so, as we close, you know what God has given us? You know what that means. That's right. That means we're now coming down to the last two hours of the message. Y'all know me now. That means this is the second phase of the sermon that's coming to an end. Yes, sir. But in all seriousness, there is a thing that Christians used to know about because we're disconnected now, y'all. We're totally disconnected. And see, what, what this rope represents is it represents spiritual disciplines. Listen to me now. See, because many of us grew up in such legalistic religion, we have totally thrown away anything that looks like a rule. Anything that looks like a thou shalt. I know what I'm talking about. Anything that looks like structure, anything that looks institutional, 
we have thrown it away because we grew up in homes where, where we were not told why we do things. Many of us were just told to do things, right? I get all that. Like, like it, was just, it was just rules. It was a little bit of legalism. So many of us, not all of us, but many of us grew up in very legal. And so what we have done now is we have said we're not raising our families that way. We're totally getting rid of anything that looks legalistic, that looks like a rule, that looks like a thou shalt not because we just want relationship, relationship, relationship. The problem, though, is we have disconnected ourselves. We have disconnected ourselves from God because God uses the practicality of a rope to keep us connected to him because all of us have the, the tendency. I hear people say all the time, well, listen, I don't need to go to, ch- to worship. I don't need to go to church because I can just worship at home. You was a dang on lie. Lord, let me just get, let me cuss one time, Lord, in your name. Let me just say it so they can get the point. You was a lie. You know you lying. I, listen, if I said it, I'd be lying, and I'm the pastor of this church. It's hard to pray during the week. You sit here and act like you are holy. It's hard if you're working and you got a life and you got kids and you got problems and you got issues and you got things going, coming at you every which way and you're trying to get things done. You're trying to make things happen. You're taking care of people. You take care of mama. You take care of the kids. You take care of the wife. You got to pay bills. You're telling me with all this stuff going on in your life all day long that you're in the word like you're supposed to be. You was a dang on lie. And God knows that. God knows that we are prone to wonder. God knows we're prone to get disconnected. And so what God has given, go to the next slide. See, the spiritual disciplines, many of you don't even know what that is. The spiritual disciplines, you have to have these things in order to stay connected to God. you got to pray. you got to have the discipline of praise. Oh, let me go back to prayer. Like, in other words, you have got to train yourself to pray every day. you got to train yourself. Oh, I just want to just be moved when the Spirit says move. Heck enough. No. No, i got to force myself to pray. i got to set my alarm clock. i got to have a schedule that I operate by. Many of us listen to motivational speakers that tell us to get up at 3 and 4 o'clock in the morning so we can work on our business plan. But many of us don't access the same kind of structure when it comes to our spiritual lives. And we have no connection to the source. You need structure and order. Prayer is a discipline. Hallelujah. Prayer is a muscle that needs to be strengthened. And I haven't gotten it all figured out yet, but how many want to strive to where you are a man or a woman of prayer? That like Daniel, you can be found early in the morning praying and at noon praying. And and you're not just in the car praying, but you have fixed points. The children know, don't bother him now. He's on his face. Wife knows, don't bother him now. He's on his face. Come on, somebody. Husband knows she's in the closet for a reason and she ain't coming out yet. Because she has set a discipline. We need to have a discipline of praise. you got to program yourself to bless him. That's why the Bible says, I will bless him at all times. Do you want to praise him at all times? No, I'm answering you a question. Do you want to praise the Lord at all times? No. Nobody wants to praise him at all times. 
If you find out some bad news, you ain't wanting to praise him. But the Bible says rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. And again, why you say again, Paul? Because I got to need, I got to remind myself that praise is a discipline. And I don't praise it because I feel like it. I praise it because I need to praise him. My mind gets free when I praise him. My heart gets free when I praise him. My brain gets right when I praise him. I will bless the Lord. The Bible doesn't say I feel like blessing him. The Bible says make yourself praise him. Tell your hands get up. Tell your feet get down. Pray. Meditating on his word is a spiritual discipline. Meditating. How many, am, I, am, I, am I in the word, y'all? Do we not need to meditate on his word? Do you know anybody really spiritual that is not a man or a woman of the word? They memorize scripture. They make time for study. Are you hearing me now? They are people of the word because they know that the word has power. The word actually, <laughs> the word changes mindsets. The Bible says, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. David says, in the night season, I meditate upon thy law. So look, look, look. Meditate on his word. He said, listen, and nobody's going to disagree with me. Nobody's going to say, Pastor, we shouldn't. You're right. We need to be praying, right? Won't you agree with me? I should pray. I should read my Bible. You know, I, I, I should praise. Nobody will disagree with you on that. Huh? Uh, uh, serving. You can't be spiritual if you don't serve raw. You cannot grow spiritually if you are not serving. And this is why many of you guys are like that shark that has only grown eight inches. Because you're not in an environment of service. You just want to come and be fed, be fed, be fed, be fed, be fed. But let me say this now. Do you know, and maybe we ought to preach on a theology of work one day. Do you know the only reason why you have that job is because God gave you that job because there's somebody at that job that God wants to save through you. You ain't there to pay bills. God don't need your job to pay bills. Can I get some help in here? Has anybody ever been unemployed and the Lord met needs? Has anybody ever seen the righteous forsaken or a seed begging bread? Did you need a job to pay your bills? Did you need a job to pay tuition? Y'all not praying with me. How many know it? It was never the job. For the Bible says the Lord gave you the power to get wealth. Service. Oh, but see, we, we know prayer. We know praise. We know meditating. But service, that's optional, Pastor. No, it ain't. You cannot grow spiritually if you are not a servant, if you are not against ministry. The other thing is you can't grow spiritually if you don't give. Now, everybody that nowadays, everybody got all kinds of excuses. We ain't giving for this reason. I'm not giving for that reason. I like this. I don't like that. You know what giving does? Giving kills selfishness. We don't give because the church needs money. We don't give because, because uh, we, we want to support the building product. Uh, listen, we give because giving kills self. It's a discipline. I can't afford to give. You don't give because you can afford to. You give because it's spiritual and you are selfish and you want God to root out self so you can learn to put your trust in him. Put your trust in a rock that's higher than I. Fasting. Anybody disagree with that? How many know when you have fasted, it has moved the arm of the Lord? Oh, I can't get nobody to talk. How many know I'm telling the truth that fasting, 
denying yourself food and denying yourself things that you enjoy so that your mind can be clear, hallelujah, to be able to hear the voice of God. And when you put prayer and fasting together, how many know that the Lord will work miracles, signs, wonders, him to perform? Am I a witness in here? Can I get somebody to help me in here? Some of y'all are in here right now, not because you did anything good, but because you had a praying and fasting grandmother. You had a praying and fast. I'm looking at you right now because I know some of y'all, you don't got no business in here. That car accident should have killed you, Terrence. But you're here today because when you weren't even paying attention, somebody had called your name with prayer and with fasting. We, nobody will do, does everybody agree, all in favor that a Christian ought to have these disciplines in their life? Raise your hand. Who will disagree with that? Who will disagree? Who will disagree? I mean, I can't have one of three things. I need all those things to be able to stay connected. Him right to say, prone to wonder. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. I'm prone to wonder. You get up in the morning and you're mad about stuff from last night. Come on, that's how it works. And then you're worried about what you got to face that day. Or you say a prayer because you're trying to be disciplined. And you read your devotion, but while you're reading, you can't even focus. You don't remember even what you read because you got so much on your mind. I'm talking to somebody in here, and they're trying to act like I'm not talking to them. They're trying to pretend like, have you ever read the Bible? And then you got up and said, well, I don't even know what I read. And then next thing you know, your mind got taken over because you got to get the kids together. You got that to happen. And you got to pay this bill. And, and then you get a call about something that happened at work. And you're darting to work because you're late because the kids spill cereal on the floor. And, and then one of your kids got mad. And, and then this happened. And then you and your wife not really feeling each other right now. And, and it's, you got all this stuff going on. And then when you finally get to work, somebody say something sideways to you. And then now you're really in the flesh. You're really in the flesh. And, and while all this is happening, you get an alert on your phone. And the alert on your phone says an earthquake just happened in California. And then another uh, uh, update comes on and says that your football team just lost by 30 points. And the quarterback's hurt, and he ain't going to play this week. And you just, oh, I can't take it. And then, and then you go into the office, and somebody says something sideways to you. The budget doesn't look right. And now they're threatening that they might even remove your department. And now you're really stressed out, and, and you whisper a prayer real quick because you're like, Lord, I can't do that. But then you go back to the next thing, and all day long you're doing this. Then you get off work, then you're in traffic, and then you're trying to catch up on ESPN and CNN and, and, and shows. And, and, and by the time you sleep, you go to sleep, and you, this is your life. This is your life. And next life. Hey, guess what? You know what God gave us? He gave us this discipline. One of the things I found out is that all, go back to the previous slide for me. Go back to the previous slide. Uh, the anchor for prayer, for Bible study, for meditating on the word, for serving, for giving, fasting, the anchor that holds it together is the Sabbath. Can I tell you why? Have you noticed that when God created Adam and Eve, that God never said, read your Bible, pray, fast, and do all that stuff? Let me show you. Let me show you. Go to the next slide. Go to the next slide for me. Move, let's, let's move it. Go, go to the next one. Go to the next one. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Right. Go to the next one. Go to the next one. I'll make that point on my own. All right. Genesis 2. Watch this. Go ahead. Right there. The Bible says, watch this. God had created everything in six days without a human being on the planet. Remember that, right? And then the Bible says, thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the hosts of them. Man was created on day what, what everybody? 
day six, he was the crowning act of creation, which means he was the last person, persons, they were the last things that were created. Now, we all know that God told Adam to name the animals and do all that kind of stuff, but Adam didn't have to name the animals on the day that he was created. More than likely, Adam got to know his wife. Uh, what, what day was that? What, what day was that? Come on, what day was that? What day is the sixth day? Friday, come on, Bible students, Friday. Hmm. Friday at work day? Hmm. But, but does it end? Mm-hmm. I'm going to show you why, because Bible says in verse 2, and on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. Next text says, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. And we know that the day is separated by the evening and the morning. So when the Bible says God rested, God rested after he created Adam and Eve, more than likely at the end of Friday. Now watch this. The Bible says that he rested on the seventh day, not Saturday, but the seventh day, sunset Friday. Because the evening and the morning were the first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh day. Come on, Bible students, am I not in the word? The Bible says that now God rested. Oh, verse 3, so God blessed the seventh day and made it what, y'all? Oh, go ahead, next verse. Because on it he rested from all what, y'all? All his work. Now, did God rest because God was tired? Watch what this slide says. Go to the next one for me. Adam and Eve's first full day on the planet was the Sabbath. Whoa, he's trying to make a point to us. He could have created Adam and Eve on day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, and taught Adam uh, work ethic. But the first principle that God wanted to teach Adam was not work ethic. The first uh, principle that God wanted to teach Adam was rest. Sadly, though, the number one principle that drives your life is work, 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 move, move, do, 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 do. That's all you're focused on. But God says the first principle by which a human being was created and established is created on the principle of rest. So I can see Adam and Eve coming out. I mean, he's like, oh, man, what are we going to do? Look at this beautiful planet. Man, oh, man, this is awesome. Uh, uh, what, what are we doing now? The Lord said, you're going to rest. But, 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 but this is just me saying, I mean, but Adam ain't done nothing. Adam ain't worked for nothing. Y'all not hearing the gospel. Adam hasn't earned anything. Adam didn't earn a break. Adam didn't earn rest. This ain't PTO. What is this? It's God trying to make a point about the foundation of our lives. The foundation of our lives is not on merit. It's not on effort. It's not on producing. It's not on working. Our lives are based on the foundation of trusting and resting that God has already handled everything I need him to handle. See, the essence of a Sabbath breaker is somebody that doesn't have faith enough to believe that God can do in six. World don't understand that. The world thinks I need every day to get ahead, every day to make moves, every day to do this. I got to have my kids and everything. I got to be in everything. I got to do everything. Every day matters. And the Lord said, ah, no, you don't get it. I can actually do more with you in six. I want you to rest first. Next, 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 next. Notice what he says in Deuteronomy 5. Y'all know, now, I don't know if y'all know this, but the Ten Commandments are in what books of the Bible? Let's see. I want chapter. Exodus what? 20. What's the first verse? 
Y'all not been meditating on the word. Exodus 20 and verse 1. What does it say? You got a cheat sheet. What does it say? Mm -mm. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 1. What's the first thing it says? Exodus chapter 20 and verse 1. Somebody read it right now. Somebody say it. Who got it? Who got it? Who got it? Who got it? Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Do you have it? Who's got the text? Oh, somebody. I heard somebody read it. Who's got it? Oh, y'all not, not follow me in the scriptures. You got it? Read it. Read it. And God spoke all these words, saying, uh -huh. I, am the, I am the Lord your God, uh -huh. who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Because the first thing that God says I'm God, and I brought you out of Egypt. I brought you out of slavery. Watch this now. The Ten Commandments are for people who are enslaved. The center of the Ten Commandments is the Sabbath commandment. It is the longest commandment, and it is the most detailed commandment. When God says, thou shalt not lie, he doesn't get into details. He says, you shouldn't lie. You shouldn't tell white lies. You shouldn't do this. Because he said, ah, they'll figure that out. What I need, what they'll struggle with, though, what they will struggle with is they're going to struggle with this Sabbath thing. So I got to tell them everything that they should do and they shouldn't do because they don't know how to rest because they're slaves. For 400 years, the children of Israel actually kept no Sabbaths whatsoever because Pharaoh wouldn't let them. The pyramids were not built with Sabbath keepers. The pyramids were built with Sabbath breakers. And so the Lord says, listen, I got to break this chain. I got to break this cycle in them that they got to do it, that they got to do it. Even when the Lord gave them manna and gave them double on Friday so they could have extra on Saturday so they wouldn't have to go out and get more bread. Guess what? They were in such a habit as slaves of working on Saturday that they went out and tried to do more. And out of all the commandments, yo, tell me I'm keeping it 100 today. This ain't Adventism, this word. Tell me, out of all the commandments, what's the commandment? That's the one everybody spiritualizes now. We don't spiritualize lying. Don't nobody spiritualize killing. But now Sabbath, oh, whatever, you know Sabbath. Oh, that's not a big deal. But Sabbath breaking is the reason why our planet is the way it is. Amen. That's what I'm saying. Because we are totally think that will keep us totally centered in God. God knows we're going to fall away from it, but at least if we're connected through the spiritual disciplines of prayer and praise and worship, and especially the Sabbath, we'll always get right back to where we need to be. All right. I'm done. For real. Go to the last slide. I want them to see this. So what does the Sabbath teach us? A couple things. And this is where we're going to get practical. The Sabbath teaches us first to terminate. Stop. And notice what the Bible says. The Bible does not say that the Sabbath is a day off. No, no. It's, it's not vacation. Let's, 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 get a, let's get a different one. You can take a vacation on Monday. You can take a day off on Tuesday. But see, that's a day to you. But the Bible says the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord. So this day is different. It's not your day. But it was for you. Because Jesus said the Sabbath was made for, 
It's a gift. It's an invitation that don't nobody want to come into. So in order to really experience Sabbath, you legit have to stop some stuff. And first and foremost is stop working. Paid work and unpaid work. I hear somebody saying right now, all right, Pastor, no more block parties. See, your only problem with that is, is you got Jesus that's a problem. Because Jesus specifically chose Sabbath to heal people. And guess what? He didn't have, most of the people Jesus healed on Sabbath didn't have to be healed on Sabbath. Jesus could have said, wait a minute, y'all want to be healed? It's Sabbath. I'm sorry, I don't got time for this. I'm keeping Sabbath. Y'all meet me on Sunday, and I'll, we'll do a line, and we'll just heal everybody. But Christ is trying to make a point about the Sabbath. See, we think rest is sleep. We think rest is sitting down doing nothing. We think rest is scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. But do you realize that there is research that shows that when we serve people, when we minister to people, it actually increases areas of rest and refreshment and rejuvenation. You feel better. Depression must go. Anxiety goes. So we're saying, let the day look different than all the rest of your days. And let's be honest. We have, we have gone away too far. And we don't got no connection now. Sabbath, it just looks like any other day. It looks like your vacation. But it's not a Sabbath unto you. It is a Sabbath unto the Lord. Sabbath is also a day of rest. Take a nap. Go swimming. Now I'm looking at you, Pastor, because I know some people who say, well, I can take a nap, I can walk, but I can't get in the water. And if I do, I can only get my feet wet. That's only for a certain crowd. You know who I'm talking about. It's the same crowd that says that a husband and a wife shouldn't make love to each other on the Sabbath. Yeah, they're crazy, crazy. See, we think rest is only doing nothing. But there are restful things that you can do that are actually activities that encourage rest. When I was a kid, we'd go hiking, but you couldn't go swimming. It made no sense to me. Now, y'all know hiking is arduous. <laughs> I mean, we have our Pathfinder uniforms at 80 degrees, climbing up. We pitching tents and everything. There are things, there are things, there are things that we do that, that make, that give us rest. When I ran, I would run. I don't know, but that, that thing releases endorphins in my mind. I feel refreshed. And especially when you are a stressed out person. You know what I'm talking about. Sometimes a little, a little healthy activity releases endorphins and releases adrenaline and releases things to take all this stress out of your back and out of your neck. Cast it out in the name of Jesus. Number three, Sabbath is a day to celebrate. The Bible says we should delight in it. See, many of us have been taught to keep the Sabbath, but we have not been taught to celebrate Make it special. Have some good meals. Come on, say amen. Laugh. 
Am I, am I, am I talking good today? I'm going to give everybody permission today. Laugh your head off. Enjoy some good fellowship. Huh? Meditate. Get some quiet time to get your mind right. And then finally, congregate. Get energy from each other. Lift up your hands and praise the Lord with, with, with God is great and greatly to be praised. Hang out with brothers and sisters over a meal and talk about the goodness of the Lord. Talk to each other about your families and, and don't just go home. Whatever happened to the days when folks would cook and we'd go to people's homes and we'd fellowship? I ain't trying to get all in your stuff. Some of you going out to eat. I, I, listen, I'm not here for that. What I am here for is, it's like, we don't do anything with each other anymore. In this church, most people go to their own separate ways. Potluck. Bad luck. Do something. Let's get together. I'd rather, listen, I know that some people don't rob the rub on. I would rather we be together at Taco Bell. I know, I listen, I know you're going to have issues with that. We'll talk after the meeting. But listen, I would rather you be together than you be separated in, in your homes and, and you're just scrolling on your phone and, and you're not with anybody. God did not have that in mind for the Sabbath. It's supposed to be a celebration. It's supposed to be something we look forward to. Not just so you can catch up on sleep. I'm going to tell you, let me in right here. If Sabbath is the only day that you can get rest, I'm talking about like physical rest, it means that your life is out of balance. It means you're doing the other six days wrong. That's exactly what it means. It means you're too busy, you're ripping and running too much, you got too much going on, and guess what? One day out of the week ain't going to solve all six days of dysfunction and chaos. I'm done. All right, how are we going to end this? Let's see. Uh, <laughs> oh, really? He said stop. 2.30. Anybody have any questions? I don't know. Comments? I mean, I want this to be practical. Seriously, anybody have any questions or comments, really? Yeah, go ahead. Stand up and ask it. We don't have a bunch of mics today. Comment. Don't preach. Last semester was my daughter's first year in college, and she called me, and she was like, Mom, I'm so stressed. I can't pay attention in class. I feel so tired. I'm not sleeping. So I said, hmm, to myself. So I have a friend who's in, like, a therapist, and I was talking to her, and I'm like, my daughter's 18. You know, she called me. She says she's stressed out. And I know my daughter's addicted to her phone. I, I'm, I'm a bad parent. I take it. She's addicted. So the lady says she's not, she's not, um, She's not stressed out. She doesn't have ADHD. My daughter said, I think I have ADHD. She said, mm-mm. She said, it's not diagnosed that late. She said, turn off her phone. <laughs> Go to bed. She was like, she's watching her phone so much that when it's time to take in information in class, she can't. She's on information overload. And what they do is, and we do it too, they use their phone as checkout time. If you notice people, they're in line. And so they want to disconnect, but they're taking in information. So when she's call herself having downtime, then she's on her phone. So it's exactly what you preached. It's exactly this information overload, the social media. And so she had to cut that down in order to be able to take in her classwork. 
Yeah, and, and let me say this. It's funny. One of the things I was, I was reading uh, the book. Now, this guy's not at Venice, okay? He's not, he's not at Venice, right? So I just, I don't want to sound like being legalist here, okay? It's not, I'm not saying it's, it's wrong to be on social media. We have people watching right now who are being blessed by this message because they're on Facebook and YouTube, okay? You get that right. All right, so listen. But, but let me tell you this. What I'm going to start trying to do as far as I can is not be on my device on Saturday. This dude in his book, it's amazing. People that don't have the message we have are more strict about Sabbath than we are. You know why? Because they are actually using Sabbath to get what, they, what everybody is desiring, peace of mind. I ain't checking my email today. I ain't, no. I need to plug in with some people. I, I'm just saying, I'm just throwing this out here. The excessive use of the phone and social media on Sabbath does not really help you to keep the Sabbath in the way that God wants you. I'm not trying to be legalistic. I'm just talking about you experiencing everything that God wants you to have. Anybody? Yes. Go ahead, Raw. Just to comment, to piggyback on what you mentioned uh, about being stressed and overworked, um, there was a documentary on NPR, uh, the radio, that the author was speaking about deep work. And in order to concentrate and to focus, uh, what he would do, he would um, have times in his workday where he's not checking emails, not answering calls, not uh, being distracted um, in order to be more effective in the work that he was doing. So I know all of us are in a mode sometimes where we're at work, we hear a chime, we hear a buzz, and you're, you're constantly going to check your email, going to check instant messages, whatever the case may be. And those distractions keep us from being more productive or focused in our work. And, you know, we, we carry that same mode over into our worship and our time uh, when we're trying to have devotions and so forth, where, you know, if the phone buzzes or something happens, then, yeah, yeah, we got to grab that. And that takes away from our deep work or focus work where we're able to be more productive. Which is one of the reasons why I'm just throwing it out. I'm not, listen, I'm not trying to be legalistic on this thing, but just this is just a recommendation for somebody who struggles in this area. That I would encourage you, for some of you who are like me, instead of using your phone to have devotion, actually use the Bible. Or, or physical. Now, listen, I, for the most part, I, I journal on my laptop. I do all that stuff. But, but I am noticing that it has a way of interrupting and interfering and kind of getting in the way. And, and I, I promise you this now. I know I'm telling the truth. There are many of us in here right now, space like Raw saying, we don't know how to be still and meditate for an hour. They have people making millions of dollars now because they're mindfulness coaches. Have y'all heard what mindfulness now is? Mindfulness is a new discipline that they're teaching people in the business sector on trying to get people to be more productive by doing what Raw said, pausing. We're the most inefficient country on the planet. And if you travel around this world, you'll discover that many people in Italy, they have two hours of lunch break. Just standing. Whatever, two hours. In, 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 in uh, the, uh, Latin, Latin America, siesta. It's two hours. Vacation time. If you get pregnant, you get a year off. My, we have family members that live in, 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 in England. Every time I turn around, they're getting holiday. Vacation. 
But in our country, we bought into the culture. Work, 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 activity, activity, activity. And then if you try to be still, come on, y'all know it's hard to just sit, nothing, just the voice. And then your mind's all over the place, man. You, you watch an empire, then, then you move to the, uh, uh, the book of Genesis, and then you come out of Genesis, and next thing you know, you uh, like checking your, you, you, did I get any likes? Did somebody respond to this post? And you just can't shut it off. You can't hear the voice of God. Yes, go ahead. Have an observation. If you remember when the computer first came out, how people were being stuck in their homes, uh, marriages were being destroyed. Then after the computer came out, we came with the cell phones. It's an increase in the distraction as close as the time get more and more and more and more. It was the computer, now it's the cell phones. Increase in lawlessness and distractions for us. Watch now. Now, no, oh, I'm sorry. Now you got to watch. <laughs> like, I don't know what it's going to be when our kids hit, like, 25. Like, what's it going to be then? Like, they think that we're going to be, like, robots, the Jetsons. The Jetsons? Yeah. I was going to say, in our own human bodies, there's a perfect example of the need for rest. Our heart pumps blood. So it pumps and it rests. When it rests, that's not without purpose. It's for the heart to refill so it can adequately pump the next time. There's something called fibrillation. If your heart doesn't rest, it just quivers. And when it quivers, it can't pl push that blood out to your body, and you eventually will die. That's what's happening to us. We're not resting to refill with the Holy Spirit so that we can be more effective in the things we need to do day to day. The whole body. And, of course, we know God created this, man, the rhythm of rest. We, is anybody else after this? a lot and get to go, go see my family a lot but thank God that my oldest brother who just um, came to Cleveland on Thursday this past week um, I was able to spend time with him and this is my first time in life that I ever done that. Thanks, Curtis. Thanks. We'll take, we'll take one more? Okay. Y'all got somewhere to go? <laughs> well, we have to realize, first of all, excellent sermon, Pastor. Satan knows we're at the end of time. He, he understands that all these things, social media, all these things are here to distract us, to keep us off-center. He understands far better than we do. He understands that we're practically there. We're disconnected. So he knows that, that we're in the information age now. Everything is just rush, rush, rush. He knows that if he can keep us distracted, those are more people that are going to be lost. So our main focus is to focus on the Sabbath so that we can have that connection with Christ. We were just remarking over here kind of on the side. Like, I don't know. Yeah, go ahead. I don't know what. And listen, I appreciate all of the advances and things that happen in our world. Again, I don't even really think you can appreciate Sabbath unless you work. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, we need the rhythm. The heart needs to beat and it needs to rest. Like, we need the rhythm, right? The Bible says, consider the ant, O sluggard. Like, we don't, we're not encouraging do-nothings. 
right? But you are a human being, not a human doing. And look, is there anybody interested in actually working to keep Sabbath? You got to put work in it. Yeah, you do. It just, Sabbath keeping just don't happen. You got to plan for it. You got to work at it because it is a discipline. Is there anybody here today like me? You just feel like your life is kind of getting out of order and kind of moving too fast and you can't barely get a breath and you just, you need, you need to get connected. If I'm talking to you, why don't you just meet me at the front right now? You're just saying, Lord, I recognize it. Not just on Sabbath, but I need to be spending time with you. I need to be connected and I've just kind of lost my way. I'm just kind of out here. Some of us can't remember the last time we actually heard the voice of God. Somebody here right now, I don't know who it is. You got an employer that's telling you you have to work on Sabbath. But remember, the principle of the Sabbath is trust in God. That's the principle. It's trust in Him. It's like, I got you. I got you. See, this is no joke, y'all. Like, I think we think that this Christian experience is without, it's without being tested, of, 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 of being in places where we don't know where our blessing is coming from. Mm. How many know if we lift up our eyes to the hills from which cometh our help? Our help comes from the Lord. And I don't know about you, especially in these last days. Y'all realize the people that are working us to the bone don't care nothing about us? We are being loyal to people and to organizations that don't care nothing about you and, 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 will, and will cut you I was just talking to somebody the other day about all these, the Ford, Chrysler, and GM who told people without any warning, your 30 years is over, you're done, you're fired. And we gave all of this time for people who didn't care nothing about us. And I'm thankful today to know that we have a God that loves us and cares about us. And he's saying, put me first. Keep my Sabbath holy. Spend time with me. Get some order in your life, some structure, some connection, so that you don't get blown away by the blizzard of this life. It's confusion. Where you're just so worldly now, you don't even know the difference between holiness oh, and wickedness. I don't know who's here today, just needs to return to the Lord with your whole heart right now. I mean, with your whole heart. You want God not only to have your... You want uh, your life and your, your praise, but you want to have your time. Is there anybody here today saying, Lord, my time has just gotten away from me. I've I just been overwhelmed. But I, Lord, I want, I, want you, I, want, I want to get back to the heart of worship where it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. Your heads about your eyes are closed. I don't know if I'm talking to anybody today who hears this message says, Pastor, I want to enter into his Sabbath rest. <laughs> Not just on Sabbath, but every day. I want to enter into his rest. I want to enter into his rest. I want to, I want to exit out of anxiety and exit out of pressure and exit out of I got it, I got it, I got it. And enter into God's got it, God's got it, God's got it. If you're here today, why don't you just lift your hand. If this was lift the Lord, I just want to enter your rest. Is there somebody who wants to join our church today? Want to be a part of a Sabbath-keeping church? Follows the word of God. Seventh-day Sabbath is the Sabbath unto the Lord your God.
He said, remember the Sabbath day. Why do we remember it? Because the Lord says, you need this day. This is not about Adventism. This is not about a Jew. Uh, the, the Sabbath was made for man. Hallelujah. Because I know you need it or else you'll lose your mind. Especially in this world that's trying to take all your time and all your energy and all of your money. It's trying to take everything. And I'm saying, if you give me six, if you give me one day, I'll take care of your six. How many believe that to be true right now? How many believe it to be true? How many know it is true? Just lift your hands if you just want rest for your soul right now. The Lord says, come unto me. Somebody is stressed out right now. The Lord said to me, told me to tell you, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. If you're here today and you got some stress on you, you got some issues that you're facing, you got some stuff on your mind, and you want God to fix it, would you just press to the altar right now? You might be in your seat and say, Lord, I'm coming to you. I'm coming to you. I'm surrendering to you. Just come even now. If you're already here, lift your hands and say, Lord, I'm giving it to you right now. I ought not be like this. The Bible says be anxious for nothing. But with prayer and with supplication, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind. Oh, that's beautiful. Isn't it, saints? Isn't that beautiful? That you literally can live a, a life where you are not chronically stressed out. That you have the peace of God that passes all understanding. The Bible says it's a peace that God gave that the world cannot take away. How many want that for your life right now? Enter into his rest right now. By faith, enter in. Jesus. Jesus. I don't know about you, but as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I don't care what the world does, but I'm going to serve the Lord. If I look different, it's all right. If I stand out, it's okay. But the Bible says the Sabbath will be a sign for you that they might know that I am the Lord. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. I'm entering into his rest today. Would you join me? Would you join me? Would you just join me in this? Thank you, Lord, for hearing this prayer. Thank you, Lord, for the word. Thank you for the word. Lord, the world says one thing. Your word says something else. And I ain't going to lie, Lord. It's hard. It is hard. This is not easy. This is not something that we could just snap our fingers in and it'd be fixed tomorrow. We have to actually work at resting. Well, teach us. Teach us your ways. Hallelujah. Teach us your ways, Lord God. Remove this franticness, this hurriedness, this busyness, this frenzy that we live in. Give us rest. When other people are coming up and being blessed, we ain't tripping because we know our blessing is coming. We're not jealous of anybody. We're not envious of anybody because we know that God is going to bless us. We know if we trust in the Lord with all of our heart, lean not to our own, and all of our ways, he's going to direct our path. We know that we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. How many claim it right now? All these things will be added. You don't have to add it. You don't got to work for it. Seek him first. God says, I'll add it. Somebody's worried about something right now. They're figuring out, how do I got to make it happen? How do I got to make it happen? God says, I got it. So thank you, Lord, for hearing and answering this prayer. For Christ's sake, we pray. The church said amen, amen, and amen, and amen. You may be seated. Do not move. We're going to ask our deacons if they will just come forward quickly as we lift up our tithes and our offerings. I just want to remind you, 
Uh, brothers and sisters, uh, we're building a new church. Y'all not hearing me. So we're building a new church. And even though it doesn't feel like anything is happening, I want to tell you there's a lot going on right now. Meetings are taking place downtown with the city and plans are being laid out. And in a little while, y'all going to see some trucks up on the property and you're going to see some stuff coming down and stuff coming up. How many can't wait until the vision becomes a reality? Lift your hands right now. Lift your hands. So we'd like to invite you to just be faithfully tithes and offering. Remember, November the 16th, November the 16th is our 100th anniversary. We need you to do us a favor. Pastor Johnson, um, if somebody, or Pastor Kim, do me a favor. Some, uh, if somebody can post the 100th anniversary on our Facebook page right now, if you have the photo, if somebody has a photo. This is what I need everybody to do. It's the only time you're going to be on social media today and they're going to jump off. Who did that? The roof, the roof. Everybody be still. Do not move. We'll go, we'll go check with uh, Ted. When, this, when, you, when you get a chance, you say what? Somebody pulled, somebody pulled it. By the way, y'all give Ted a round of applause. This is the guy right here. Dude. All right. It's a little difficult to make announcements now. We're just going to leave on this. Y'all make sure y'all remind people about the, the 100th anniversary. That's coming up November the 16th. Any other announcements I need to emphasize before we go? All right. Let's stand together as we have the benediction. Y'all go out. Enjoy some time on the Sabbath. Enjoy this weather that is not going to last very long. Let's read the benediction together. Romans 15, 13. Together. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. God bless you. Have a wonderful Sabbath.